Welcome to the B-Side Outdoor Podcast. I'm your host, Frank. So today, my guest is going to be Jason. He's a member with Serviceide. He's relatively new to hunting. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into that. Make sure you tag B-Side and all of your outdoor media so you can be so... Uh, sorry about that. Make sure you tag B-Side and all of your outdoor photos so you can be featured on our social media accounts. And also... Make sure you leave a five-star review for the podcast. Tell us what you like. And so we'll get into this. So how are you doing today, Jason? All right, man. How about myself? Oh, I'm I'm doing good. Um, so let's get let you give the listeners a little bit of a background about how you got into hunting, when you started, stuff like that. Right. Well, I kind of I grew up just being an outdoors kind of kid. Um, my parents divorced when I was young. So whenever I'd go see my father, we would go outdoors, uh, go hiking, um, a lot of stuff just down there in the Everglades. And he taught me most of what I, I've known growing up of being outdoors. My mom wasn't necessarily an outdoors person, but she never stopped me from just leaving the house and walking and riding my bike for miles on end just to be in the woods. So as far as hunting goes, I've, I grew up with my dad as um, learning how to shoot guns, and, and he made me a little recurve when I was a kid, all that different stuff. And he, when I was 14, um, we went hunting for my first time ever uh, for big game. We went deer hunting. Uh, he lives down in Naples, Florida. I went to visit him for Christmas break we, um, during school. And we drove up to Valdosta, Georgia, where he was part of a hunting club. And they like to run deer dogs and stuff. So we went out and we're riding around his truck, CB's going, and, you know, we're listening for the dogs and everything. We were trailing this deer. He came past the road, backed up, then turned down that road, got out. I had a single shot, 20 gauge shotgun, break action. Standing on the truck box, heart was pumping, just pumping. I was 14. It was January 1st of 2000. You know, first day in the middle of the millennium. I'm on my first real hunt. It was awesome. And dogs are getting closer. My heart's pumping more. All of a sudden, the dogs run out. I'm thinking, where's the deer? Well, turns out, like, pretty much when he had passed that road to back up, the deer came out right then. So it was a missed opportunity there. Someone else did end up shooting a deer. I think it was a, a small six point, if I remember right. So no big deal. But there's a lot of hog in that area. And he got with one of the guys that had a hog dog. He said, hey, look, I really want my son to get his first kill. Think we can go bay up a hog so he can shoot it. So we did. Went, chased down this hog through the thick of Georgia, too. It was thick. <clears throat> got this hog. They drug it out to the road said, all right, we're going to turn it loose. Here's your one shot. You, just a single shot. He gave me one shell. He said, you've got one shot. Make it count. And I turned the hog loose. And I took off after it. Jumped over a, a, a down tree. It's really tall grass. I jumped over the down tree. Saw a black spot moving through the grass. Pulled up, shot it. Caught it running underneath the, the right armpit. Um, come up to it and, and uh, finish it off. And pretty much from that point, I was hooked, man. It's like, this is awesome. I, I want to hunt more. Unfortunately, I didn't really get to hunt more. I think a few years later, I got to go turkey hunting with them, but didn't see anything. And I was all, I had a, I had a leafy suit on, mosquito net suit. I'm all tucked off in the bushes where I think these turkeys are going to come through. And I had a, a, three foot tall crane walk within smacking distance of me and it never even knew I was there. And I remember thinking like, this is one of the most amazing things ever to sit in the woods with these animals and them not even know you're there. So I was hooked at 18. I got my hunting license and ready to go. But as an adult, I just never had a chance to really get out and hunt. Didn't have the money to really get out and hunt. Um, and then, uh, it's just been ups and downs throughout my life, but two years ago or three years ago, I ended up 
I said, you know what? I want to hunt again, but I want to bow hunt. So I went to the pawn shop, found this old Hoyt from 2004, Hoyt Protect. Paid, uh, I think, 180 bucks for it or something. Bought it, took it to some uh, just, I think it was Gander Mountain. Had them tune it. Turns out they tuned it wrong. Unfortunately, I'm not trying to bash Gander Mountain, but the guy just, he, he tuned it wrong, but I didn't know until I went to an actual archery shop and they said, yeah, this, we're going to get you squared away. Little by little, I started getting more into archery. So it, then it started turning more from hunting into a love for archery. And in 2020, I had, I had, by that point, I had a diamond razor that a buddy had given me, and I was shooting it. I took it to a pro shop, an archery pro shop, to have them tune it up a little bit. And I noticed that they had financing available for Matthews and Hoyt. And I'm thinking, man, these are the two big names in the company or in the uh, in the industry. And I really liked, I, I just, I couldn't resist. I said, well, let me try them. Let me shoot it out. So I shot both of them back to back. Walked out of there with a Matthews VXR. I was stoked. Um, so in 2020, Christmas weekend of 2020 was the first time I went out hunting in 20 years. It was it was amazing. I didn't see a dang thing, but I loved just being out there. I had even bought an old Summit climber from uh, from the pawn shop, same pawn shop. Paid a hundred bucks for it, and I just loved just sitting there. And peace and quiet away from everything. And it was freezing cold too. It was in the, the north, it was in northwest Florida, just outside of Pensacola, and it was in the 20s that morning. <laughs> so yes. that I, I went out maybe once or twice more in the rest of the season. And then uh I was in the uh electrical union apprenticeship at the time. So when I finished my apprenticeship in 2021, May of 2021, I came up to Georgia to the nuclear plant that's being built here because I was, I wanted to make more money. Of course, who doesn't want to make more money? Yep. So came up here, went out a couple times last season. Um, I, I upgraded from a VXR to a V3 last year and really like that bow and then it, it got more into of course i like shooting i like shooting but last year i got to go out maybe two or three times just my work schedule is crazy i work six days a week 10 hours a day it's just hard to get out especially uh once time changes can't get out during the week at all weekends are the are all i've got it's a saturday afternoons and maybe a whole day sunday so then after the season ended, I spent the the yeah my back now. Yeah, you're back. <laughs> uh, sorry, man, it just dropped. I don't know why. Oh, uh, so this off season, this past off season, I I really dove into more of a large for archery. Went and shot some total archery challenge and stuff, and some three D shoots around Georgia. Awesome time shooting out 100 plus yards is an amazing feeling with a bow when you hit your target at 100 plus yards it's amazing because it takes so much practice and work to hit that far and as the season went out after 3d season kind of got over and it got more towards the start of hunting season something there was a the past two years i haven't like i've gone out to hunt deer but I was more, I was more into hunting hog. But something flipped in me this year, and it's like, nope, I'm going deer hunting. I'm after first, and and I'm all for it. I hadn't even seen an animal in the woods when I'd been hunting. I hadn't seen a dog, a hog. I hadn't seen a deer. Nothing. So I decided, you know what? This year I'm going after deer. There's switch flipped in me and it's like, this is my season. So with all the tinkering of light arrow versus heavy arrow and this and that and blah, 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 me being a new hunter, just trying to figure out what's going to work best for me 
and give me that best opportunity when I finally do draw back on an animal of taking that animal the first time. Because I don't want animals to suffer. That's why I train so much. I just want it quick, fast, clean kill. So I settle on a, I, I, I'm shooting a 440 grain arrow with a single bevel broadhead, single bevel broadhead, and just hone to a razor sharp edge. And the, that that just switched into me. I was like, when the start of this season happened, I, I, I was out there. Day so that's kind of my experience of getting into hunting and just uh, watching YouTube videos. You there? Yeah. Sorry, man. <laughs> so I'm so far away from my dad. He, I can't really lean on him to to teach me how to hunt. So I'm kind of just learning whatever I can from whoever I can and try to take things that make the most sense to me and apply them to what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, and you say that, like, I grew up hunting with my dad and, um, you know, I think at 12, 13 years old, I have the deer that's hanging on my wall. And then when I went to college, I kind of got away for away from it for probably – the better part of 10 years, you know, and I came back. Um, and now it's like, I was telling my, um, one of my friends, I was like, I'm at the point now that I'm losing my property in Mississippi where I used to hunt. So I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to start hunting public land. And I was like, but I just don't know. I don't have the, I don't have the time to go out and scout, you know? And what was yes. good what was good about hunting private land i can set up a food source and then figure out the deer travel motion into that food source and then get there right but um so i picked up archery as a way to extend my season basically you know i went to uh -huh. and I, I did no due diligence at all when i did this and uh I'm one of them bow hunters that everybody probably laughs at. I'm getting more into it now. And I told my dad, I said, I don't think I'm taking my rifle on a deer hunt until I kill something with my bow. Like I made that commitment, but so I need <laughs> to start, I need to start tinkering with my bow <laughs> because literally when I bought my bow, I bought a PSE stinger. It was like a $350 mm -hmm. bow. Um, I bought the cheapest arrows I could, but they're actually decent mm -hmm. arrows. I shoot blood sport arrows. Um, I probably can't tell you the weight of the arrows <laughs> just because I didn't pay that attention to it when I bought them. Um, I bought the cheapest right. broadheads I could mechanicals. And I'm like, and now I'm doing all the research and starting and I'm like, man, I need to probably start changing up and things like that. But, um, my, my dad's just it, left. Last year, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Um, so my dad just left from Missouri and we were, talking about different broadheads and how they'll affect the shot. We He was shooting Grim Reaper broadheads on his crossbow. Well, he's like, man, I'm going to switch to Swackers. He's like, I've never heard anybody have a problem with them. With his crossbow, though, he can't get the Swackers to fly straight. One will be high and to the left, and the next one will be low and to the right. You know, it's like, so we couldn't figure out. I was like, just put, just put the Grim Reapers back on it. You know, you could shoot them. You know, until until at uh -huh. least you tinker with it. And on the off season, I was like, you're doing it the day before you leave. It's not the time to change any setup on your bow. But he just, right. uh, he put that Garmin Zero on his scope. And I, I was like, man, that's, I was like, he's like, but my thing is, he's like, I got to carry a range finder and a scope on my crossbow anyway. Why not just put it in one? I was like, I was like, I don't know how I feel about the the like that electronics on it i mean i don't care i'm not gonna judge somebody for using it but i don't know if personally mm -hmm. i want that level of technology on a bow you know because it's like right because that i can connect it to my watch and when you sit so you it senses it senses the angle of the shot moves the crosshairs to where it needs to be and then when you so when you fire it, it tells you where the impact of that arrow was. 
So like I could literally walk to his arrow if he shot it in the ground and it stuck. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like, I mean, I understand there's, there's reasons for that, but it's, and like I said, I'm not going to knock anybody that uses it. I think it's cool technology. I know people that, I think Burris makes one too. That's yes. not quite as advanced, but, um, so yeah. you were talking about your broadheads. I'm assuming you're a fixed blade person, the way you were talking. I, I am, um, just from you know all my different research watching everything uh it, it's for me i'm not against mechanicals there are people that shoot them to have great success with them uh, you know, but then i've also heard horror stories of them not opening and so it's when it comes to that it i would rather shoot something that's fail proof has no mechanical device in it or anything like that. I don't have to worry about it failing. <clears throat> so that's where I'd rather shoot a fixed blade or maybe even the hybrid versus just their mechanicals. Yeah. Um and and I see when of course and I don't want to say this for anybody that doesn't know anything and doesn't do the research, like especially people that grew up in it. So when I first started hunting, it was our bow hunting as a kid. Mechanicals was really starting to come out, you know, and that was the big thing, quote mm -hmm. unquote. Everybody was like, shoot mechanicals. They fly like a field point. Shoot mechanicals. Shoot mechanicals. And my dad and everybody was like, yeah, it doesn't mess with the spin of the arrow and all. And now that I started looking and they got all this research out there, it's like, really, it's it's what you can get your arrow to fly best with, right? It's not even uh, right. like, because I know, and I'll say this all the time, like even with rifles, a certain gun or a certain bow is going to prefer a certain arrow. It's going to, or a gun's going to prefer a certain bullet out of that gun. And it might now mm -hmm. for somebody like me, that's, that doesn't, strictly archery hunt at the time it was like if if i can hit within the lungs of a deer at 60 yards you know that's good for me because i'm not pinpointing anything and now it's kind of like yeah but now i'm realizing that if you catch something like it catches a gust of wind or something yeah what what's what should be a four inch group turns into an eight inch group and now you just gut shot a deer and it's going to run off you know right. so i'm getting to the point now that i'm more looking into the precision of it because i understand you know being starting this i'm starting to or within the last probably five years i really started getting into the conservation side of all of this you know what's the best way to do this what's the best way to um ethically kill this or dispatch this animal or harvest this animal um and because you know and even like pigs i hear people all the time oh well pigs are invasive i don't care how they die and i was like yeah but it's not that pig's fault it's here you know that pig's doing what right. it's doing it's like so um mm -hmm. but yeah so hey i'm probably gonna i think i'm gonna switch to my to the a different wi-fi so that it'll stop cutting out Give all right one second i'm sorry man yeah let me pause this real quick do a video too because it's yeah. better all right so all right, there we go that's better yeah so just to let y'all know we're having some <laughs> internet issues because <laughs> y'all this is going to be a podcast uh because the first half of it was recorded with no video so now we're actually having video but uh <laughs> So that's what I get for living out in the boonies. <laughs> oh, we look, I live. They, so they call us a rural community. I can literally shoot my bow and hit my neighbor's house on both sides. <laughs> so oh, I'm like, goodness. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rural. This community is not rural at all anymore. You know, but it's like, we all still right. have, we have terrible internet all through it. So I understand. But, um, so 
what impact would you like to see, like maybe change in the next few years in the outdoor, like in hunting industry or anything like that? Um, I, I tell you what, man, like I see a lot of these social media posts, guys, you know, harvesting their deer and harvesting animals. And, and one of the biggest things is, is a lack of respect for the animal. Uh, you know, they, I'll see these posts with the arrows, you know, they'll take a picture with the arrow still stuck in them or, or with the tongue hanging out and just blood all over its face. And, and I get that's part of what we do as hunters. It's, it's part of it. Yeah. But when you're going to take a picture of it and post it all over social media for the world to see, I think we need to show a bit more respect for the animal because of that, because there's so many anti hunters out there against what we do that don't understand the concept of, of conservation aside from the hunting aspect there's a huge deal of conservation because if they were to ban hunting altogether these animals are going to uh pretty much take the land back which i mean granted we took their land first but they're going to take the land back so then crops are going to start getting destroyed um people are going to start all our food sources for for harvest for um our food sources for all of our goods in the store, all of, all of our produce, everything like that's going to start dwindling because these aren't, for lack of a better term, being put in check. Uh, that's a big thing that I'd like to see is just showing more respect for the animals that we do harvest because <clears throat> especially as, as uh, deer hunters, you know, like, yeah, a, a gunshot is a, bit of a quicker kill of course but a bow it's it's a slower process and we we really need to show respect for the animals because they're the ones that are feeding us yeah you know you say that and um i'm a member of the louisiana trapper and alligator hunters association and they put on a class every year and one of the parts of the class they talk about is when you post something or take a picture of it you know, make sure you don't show blood, gore, you know. You can show right. its foot in the trap, but, you know, th look, there's nothing that's 100% foolproof in anything you do. Um, like, I had, a, I had a possum last year that I normally, at the time, I wasn't shooting possums. And since then, I've changed my theory on that, but that's a, another podcast <laughs> for a different day. But, um well, this possum that happened when I went to go release it out of the trap, I noticed that the swivel had been bound up and it had started to wring its leg. And I was like, mm -hmm. I got to dispatch this one and do something with it, you know? Right. So I dispatched it, brought it home, skinned it, uh, threw it in my freezer and never did anything else with it. But that's, I mean, but it's still there. We're still going to flush it and tan it this year. But it's like, I would never show that on social media because that's not something that always happens. That's tenth of the, a tenth of the time, maybe if that, and everything that we're allowed to do as hunters or trappers is ethical. There's some, they look, look, I know with traps, especially that to, for a trap to get certified, to be used and sold in the United States, there's six criteria and some of it's like one of them's animal welfare and vets are evaluating these animals that are caught in the trap, you know? So I'm assuming most of your broadheads and stuff, they're looking at that too. They're not just looking at, well, does it cut? You know, it's how well does it perform? Right. How often, I mean, and you will have failures because you're in the mud, you're in the dirt, your stuff gets frozen together in the winter time. So it's like, there will be failures at some point, but not always. And I mean, but yeah, the thing is when you put something on social media, you have to, you can't just think about it as other hunters are going to see it. You know, it's everybody's going to see it. Um, we put out a video on my YouTube. It was a short of me filming two alligators in the bottom of the boat. No blood. They they literally had their they were laying in the bottom of the boat, eyes open, with their mouths taped shut. And uh -huh. I had people, me and my neighbor both had the same video out and had people like, Y'all are cruel, y'all are evil, blah, blah, blah. But it's like 
look, the way we caught these alligators and dispatched these alligators is way better life than if they would have naturally died, you know, because they're going to get eaten by another alligator. (laughs) At least mine's an instance, you know. Yeah, and I think that that, uh, people that don't hunt, they don't think about or, you know, okay, it's a way of nature. It is a way of nature. It's been going, man has been hunting animals for thousands upon thousands of years. And they don't think about, like, yes, we know that they get dispatched, they get taken out by other animals, and that's the way of life. And and But man started hunting animals because he needs to eat. And all we're doing is carrying on a tradition that's been going on for longer than any of us can even fathom. Yeah. And and I think a lot of times, too, is that you're getting away from people having to provide their own food. You know, it's so like when I was in college in 2010 area time frame, I was in a class of about 300 people. The guy, the professor went, um, all right, who knows how to clean a chicken? Three people out of 300 raised their hand on how to clean a chicken. So he mm-hmm. called on me. He said, how do you, he says, how do you know, you know how to clean a chicken? And I was like, well, it can't be that much different than a duck. He's like, okay. <laughs> so he said, so he asked the other two guys, he's like, have y'all ever cleaned a chicken? And one guy, he says, so a third of a percent of the people in this class have changed, have cleaned a chicken in their lifetime. You know, like, wow. he says, where if you ask the same question back in the 60s or 70s, it'd probably be more like 50 to 75%, you know? Right. So, and he says, that's yes. what, 30, 40 years later. He's like, it's, it, you're losing that part of life, you know, because we don't have to provide um, for. Yeah. And so we were, you know, and I think there, there, there are certain animals that have to be controlled because they reproduce so fast and they'll do damage. And like, like here we have nutria and they will eat, like you can go to an area that there's a bunch of them in it. And it looks like somebody ran a lawnmower over the top of the marsh. Like there won't be any. It's like, so Uh that's about like hog. Yeah, uh, you, know, you know, especially uh, you know, the way they tear up hog, tear up farmland like crazy, and, and you know, farmers have such a problem. That's why you get these teams of guys that just go from farm to farm to farm and start just taking them out because people can can cry about us, you know, dispatching these these animals left and right, but it's like okay would would you rather us do that so you can have your your uh, lettuce and carrots and everything that you buy or your corn that you buy at the store or would you rather not be able to your supply at the store starts dwindling and starts getting more expensive because of the fact that it's dwindling and you know w- which would you rather it's i guess kind of the lesser of the two evils it's, it's going to yeah. be one or the other and what's crazy and the way we're doing it is a lot more humane, I believe, than the way the farmers are going to do it. Yeah. You know, the pork and beef that you buy at the store is a lot. It, it it's it's taken in such a way that it's not a lot less humane than what we're doing. At least where we're doing it, they have a they have a chance. Yeah, those those animals you buy at the store don't have a chance. Yeah, and you know, you talk about pigs, but the way pigs reproduce and the amount they reproduce. To maintain a population of pigs, you have to kill 70% of the herd every year to maintain them. And I'm like, there's no way. Holy moly. There is no way you could kill 70% of them pigs. Like, we used to run hog dogs, and you would catch one or two, you know, in a day. Uh As opposed to where, like, you think about, like, like, we started putting up, we're about to start putting up corral traps once it gets a little bit cooler. Just to, because where we hunt at around here, if you put corn out, any type of 
um, any type of attractive you put out, you ain't going to have deer anymore because the hogs are going to eat it. You know, any mineral sites, anything like that. So it's like, man, is it even worth it? So it's like, I want to try to get in there. And I know, I know you can move hogs away from your property by just putting pressure on them. And we got an area that I could set up a round trap and then have to figure out what I have to do with probably a hundred hogs every couple of days. But, you know, <laughs> cause we, I, right. I mean, I have pictures yeah. of hogs from being look like they just came out the mama to 150, 200 pound boars. Like, man, I like, that's a lot of, so it's like, you gotta, you gotta deal with all of this now. So. Uh (laughs) So. um, Do you have any like stigmas that you think need to change in the hunting industry, outdoor industry or like. I do actually. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I was going to explain what no, a stigma was because last time somebody asked what it was. <laughs> no, I, I'm very well of stigmas. Um, one of the big ones is, is uh, in the in the bow hunting industry, the the severe hatred for crossbows. You have so many bow hunters that hunters that they they. I mean, look, forty years ago when compound bows first came out, all traditional hunters were like. Ah, compound you don't need that thing you know and now compound bow hunters are doing the same thing to crossbow hunters and i believe that a crossbow has its place you know it's crossbow is easy you know you've got a scope on it you can go out a few times you know you can go out one day one day before season make sure everything's sighted in maybe broadhead test your, your your bolts and it's good to go you don't have to put in as much practice as you do with a vertical bow vertical bow you need to practice and practice and practice and practice practice and to me i believe you need to practice all year long and not just two weeks before season but that's me um with the crossbow it i I believe it has its place for those that are injured those that can't draw a bow anymore my dad has uh grew up hunting Uh, he he lived he grew up in ohio and would be out behind it's in the woods behind his house every single day. He would make his own bows. He would hunt with bow. And then when he was old enough, he got a gun. He started hunting with guns. And so, but he, he loves to bow hunt, but he can't anymore because he's had shoulder surgeries and he can't draw, he can't even draw a 50 pound bow anymore. And it makes him sad. So two years ago, I went, to see him for his birthday. He had been talking about, you know, crossbow, maybe thinking of getting a crossbow. And, and I had bought my wife a crossbow because she can't draw a bow. She has shoulder issues. And so I bought her a crossbow just for the fun of it. She's not necessarily into hunting like I am, but she just liked to, to shoot the crossbow. Okay. And it was a PSE coalition. It's a $300 crossbow fires 380 feet per second. You know what? That's zipping fast. And so it's fun to shoot. Yeah. So my dad had been talking about it, and I told him about his crossbow, and he, he just hadn't pulled the trigger on it yet. So when I went to see him for his birthday, I bought one of these crossbows, and I surprised – he didn't even know I was coming for his birthday. So one, I surprised him for his birthday. And I hadn't seen him in nine years, so that was pretty awesome. And then he uh, – when his birthday – you know, his birthday party – I brought up this crossbow and he just teared up and I've maybe seen my dad cry three times throughout my lifetime. And that's one of them. Yeah. So it's the fact that when he actually got to shoot it, it, the joy it brought back to him for being able to even shoot. uh, It's, you know, it's a bolt. It's not necessarily an arrow, but the the fact of being able to do something with a bow again brought so much joy to him. So I believe that a crossbow does have its place. I'd like to see the hatred for crossbows go away because hunting. Yeah. You know, you say that and I'm sure anybody that listens to the podcast regularly has heard me say that if somebody tells me like, Oh, you hunt with a crossbow. Cause I have a crossbow. I don't have the time to practice with my bow because of like my life right now, you know, it's kind of crazy, but with, that being said, I can go out with my crossbow, shoot it four or five times before the season, 
use the same guidelines in my head that I would use with my bow. I'm not shooting over 60 yards with my bow or my crossbow, you know. I'm shooting right. the same shot I'd be shooting right. with my bow. And I think that's where some of the stigma comes is you get these guys that are like, I can shoot 150 yards with my crossbow and hit the target. I'm like, yeah, but you probably ought to not be shooting 150 yards at an animal. And I had this, I had this argument right. two days ago with somebody. I was like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should be doing it. So, um, but right. you know, so I'm a vertical bow, 100, 120 yards. Yeah, I could hit a target all day long doing that, but I'm not going to shoot that far in an animal, especially whale. The the especially down here in the southeast, you know, most of our yards are forty shots and under, forty yards and under. forty yards is pushing it at that. But it, you know, you get maybe some fifty yard shots, and and I've heard of fifty yard shots on whitetail with a bow, and, and hey, I'm surprised the bow didn't. But I'm gonna shoot that far with my bow. Yeah. Animal. Yeah, you know, and. I know guys that when they, they practice and they competitive shoot some, they'll shoot a hundred, 120 yards. And that, and they were telling me, they said, yeah, but you know what the difference is when I shoot 120 yards, when that deer's out broadside at 60 yards, it's a totally different world. He's like, I'm not worried about that shot. He's like, it's like you doing a 20, 20 to 20 or 15 to 20 yard shot with your bow. You know, I'm sitting there looking at that deer and I'm like, damn, that's close. And then, um, I was like, yeah, that's one way to look at it. But but like I was saying with my crossbow, I I use it the same as I would use my bow. The difference is I have more confidence with my crossbow because I don't have to practice with it every day. And I'm going to get back into bow hunting because now I'm at a place that I can practice daily or weekly at least. And um, that's what I – but mm-hmm. it's like now if I go to – like my dad and them went to Missouri this week. If I go with them next year, I may bring my crossbow with me, you know, just because it is a confidence thing and it'll probably be a once a year hunt or a once in a lifetime hunt for me. And I'd rather know I'd or be more confident in my success than, you know, hesitant being like, I don't know, you know, so, but like I said, I'll never knock a crossbow. I think there needs to be more education on the people hunting with crossbows on <laughs> what's ethical. Cause I know I've seen guys take shots with crossbows that are like, I don't know if I'd have took that shot with my bow. Like the deer facing right. at you, at you feeding. Why, why would you like, why would he, th- and he picks his head up and they shoot at the chest. I'm like, I want to do that with a regular bow. What would make you think? No. No, that's one of those, uh, whereas it gets, like you said, ethical shots, like respect for the animal, you know, like, okay. So what? Now it's around with an arrow. It's not not taken. I saw a post guy said he took a, it was a some yard shot with his crossbow. First hit it way back. And in the, uh, way back behind the ribs and high because the deer jumped the string and started to turn and that's where it hit. Well, he hit it in his spine. So now it's laying down. And so he had to come up and do a second shot. Like you should not, it's going to jump the string. Uh, uh, now elk, elk are a different animal. They're not necessarily, they're not as skittish as whitetail, but you yeah. should never take a shot on a whitetail that far. No. And mm. you know, you say that and it's like, that like with jumping the string and all it's i had a buddy of mine uh i don't know it was the second or third podcast i did he was talking about his first time he killed with a bow he shot at two deer that morning and was like i can't figure it out and what it was is they were jumping the string when he released you know and i was and he said finally he made contact with one and he's like i'm like but it happens you know you have and i said that's the thing with because I, I said the difference with like rifle hunting, especially like when I grew up, it was always stop that deer. If you could stop that deer, stop him. That way you can make a good shot on him. But the problem is when right. you stop a deer, he goes on high alert. And with a gun, by the time he hears the pow, he's already got the bullet in him. 
But with a bow, uh-huh. he, if you stop him on high alert, he's going to jump as soon as he hears anything else. So I said, and that's what he was saying, because he texted me and he was like, bro, I had two deer jump the string. And I was like, are you stopping them? And he's like, what do you mean stopping them? I was like, making noise so they stop moving. He's like, yeah, I was like, let them let the next one naturally stop and then see what you do. And that one was feeding. It was quartered away from him a little bit. And when he hit it, uh-huh. you know, it ran, I think, maybe 120 yards and crashed. Like, right. And that's what I told him. I was like, that's, that's what happened. I was like, you have you have to understand the difference in that. And also, you have to understand your deer population. There's places that I know the deer aren't skittish. I've watched a guy mm-hmm. drive out the backside of the food plot and had a buck walk out into the food plot and start eating because he's used <laughs> to the that sound. You know, he's used to that. Yep. Oh, I know what that sound is. They just went fill the feeder. And he walked out. Now, it was this little small four-point, but I'm like, now, where I'm at, and uh, near me, it's like, I don't know, like, if they hear a four-wheeler or a truck or anything going back there, you might as well uh-huh. not even go hunt because they're gone. You know, they're, they're, they right. know what that is. They know. So it's like, I have to walk in there. But it's, it, and it's, like I said, you have to know your population. You have to. And you have to also think about the weapon weapon you're using. You know, you can't and you can't watch it. Like for me, and I probably in Florida too, we can't watch an Illinois whitetail hunt and figure out how to whitetail hunt from it because absolutely not. <laughs> the the terrain is totally different. The first of all, the trees we're we're in, you know, the the type of grass we're in, you know, is just the veg or vegetation I should say is just totally different. Um, we're not, and them guys up there might be shooting 60, 70 yards with a bow to make the shot. Like you said, down here, we got 45 yards and that's a long shot with a bow for us. Yep. <laughs> so, and that's, so anybody that's new to hunting, if you're trying to figure it out, definitely try to find somebody in your area that hunts. Like, like if you're going to use YouTube, find somebody, you know. If you're in like South Louisiana, try to find somebody at least in South Louisiana that'll kind of put you in the right direction. Or, or if you know you're going to be hunting swamp, any swamp hunting is the same as, you know, it don't matter if you're in Louisiana, Florida, wherever. Swamp hunting, swamp hunting. You know, the tactics are the same and all. But um, yeah, so any, uh, you want to tell your story about the deer that you had? I guess this season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so so the way this season started is it's I've hunted more this season. I've been out more times this season than I have my entire life. Obviously, like I said, you know, just a few times growing up and then a few times these last two seasons. But this season I I've put in more time, more effort, getting out and scouting, really and and especially with being new to this area i don't know anybody other than the guys i work with and so i'm i'm learning everything on my own i'm learning everything on a lot on the fly with youtube videos and research and 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 just it'll be midnight and some thought pops into my head about hunting or something and i I grab my phone and start looking it up googling like okay you know and and it's the same with archery it's nuts but um this season's been it's been pretty wild Opening day, I I um uh, I had gone out and I knew this area. This is kind of the area that I had in a few times last year. And it's right near a creek, and the brush by the creek is real thick, and that's they're all bedded in that creek. And uh, you have to walk down this fire break to get into the area, and there's deer track all over the fire break. So I know they're in there. I know it. So when season opened, both seasons. Open the day bus season September 10th, and everybody's man, it's too hot for that. I don't care. I'm going. Uh, I got some Badlands gear. I got the Badlands Algus, and I tell you what, that stuff is amazing. <laughs> uh, it's amazing for hunting and how I wasn't I wasn't hot at all. So I go, and instead of <clears throat> instead of sitting in a tree, I decided I was going to sit on the ground that day. And I find this little spot, three trees, 
and I kind of tuck in there. And I'd been there a few hours, and there was, I noticed a tail flicker through these leaves, and it was two doe, two, two yearling doe. And I could tell the yearling because one was bouncing around being all playful. And so that got my heart pumping. I was like, oh, my God, there's, there's deer. This is the first time seeing deer in the woods. Oh, my God. So I shifted a little got ready to draw. Bounded out 15 yards of me looking dead at me. And I'm thinking, you don't see me. You don't see me. Nope, she saw me. She, she, I don't know if she just noticed something was off or knew that I was a hunter. I don't know. Obviously, being new to the game, I don't know. <laughs> so she took off back over to where she was. She didn't blow. She didn't run off. She just took off, joined her friend, and then they walked off. Amazing. I was shaking like a leaf. Went out the next day, nothing. Uh, the next weekend, I was sat back in the same spot and decided to change up my tactic because I didn't have a blind or anything. I was just sitting against the tree, but I, I bought one of these little wall blinds, but it was a little short, but I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. So I tied it in. I, I set it up and sitting on the stool, my back against the tree. And hindsight, I was leaning against the wrong tree. I should have sat on a different tree where I would be able to draw without moving around. So... And I start hearing crunching, and it sounded like it was coming from my two o'clock. And so I started shifting in my seat, getting ready, and it's dropped. And since I was up against the tree, I knew I wouldn't be able to draw. So I started getting down on knee, and when I got down, I moved from behind the tree. Turns out it was coming up from behind that out of the creek, and took off. I look over and it was a mature doe. She was nice and wide. It's not nice, wide back end. And I took up in the creek. She blew twice at me and then just walked off. Okay, cool. Uh, another week later, I was in another spot. And as I was creeping in, I was walking in real quiet. I heard a doe blow at me from in the creek. But she just blew twice and that was it. But I started thinking about it. Man, what? Like, I've always heard that when the doe blows at you, she just continues to blow or she runs off. This dude blew twice, and then I could hear her just walk off. So I looked up. Okay, well, the, a doe can wheeze at you or she can blow at you. Well, the wheezing is she'll, or the snort wheeze, whatever, she's just trying to figure out. She doesn't see you. She's just trying to figure out if you're another animal, if you're another deer. So it said, if you hear the first one, stop. And if she blows again, if she wheezes again, wheeze back at her, blow back at her. And that'll kind of tell her like, oh, you're just another deer. So then it, it's not necessarily getting spooked. At least this is what I've read and, and I haven't had a chance to put it into practice yet. So a couple of weeks went by, I hadn't seen anything. Uh, and muzzle loading season came on the WMA that I was hunting on. And then gun season opens, and I was like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> I don't necessarily want to be around all that, but in my area, I've got, turns out I have four WMAs all within a 45-minute drive. Uh, two of them are 10 minutes away from me. There's a really big one that's uh, 1,700 acres, which is where I've been hunting. And turn to, come to find out, there's a 200-acre WMA that is archery only, 10 minutes from me. And I was like, why didn't I know about this sooner? So I go there. I do a little scouting. And I, I go in there and decide, all right, I went up this one tree. And this was two weeks ago. I went up this tree. I, I have an open shot climber, which is one of the most amazing climbers ever for a bow hunter. And... They got about 20 minutes till the, the last shooting, you know, the last shooting light. So I was like, all right, well, I haven't seen anything. I'm going to lower my bow down. I lowered my bow down, put my bag on my back, and I heard crunching. Out comes this doe, and she was within 10 yards of me, and I was just kicking myself in the butt. Like, why didn't I just wait? Why didn't I just wait to the last minute? So I was like, okay, this area, and it's nothing but oak in this area, so there's acorns everywhere. And I'm thinking, okay, this is, this is going to be the spot. 
So I kicked myself in the butt for that one. Went back out a week later, which was last weekend, last Sunday. Uh, so I'm up in the same tree and it, it's my, my field of vision is, is okay. There's a big wide open trail that they come in here or off to my right out in front of me is some trees. There's a downed Oak and it's kind of wide open, but, and then there's a tree about eight to 10 yards from me with its foliage and stuff. And, but down on my left down here is where it's open. I had set up a mock scrape, uh, but when I got up in the tree, I realized it was the wrong spot because it was behind that tree with the foliage. So I was sitting for about, I was in the tree for about an hour and a half. And then I saw him. I saw this deer. Uh, I was thinking it was a doe because that's all I've seen by this point is just doe. I hadn't even seen a buck. And I kind of been doing the nodding thing, you know, just enjoying peaceful sounds. And then I see this, this deer yard straight out in front of me. I was like, oh, cool. It's a deer. All right. And then I see his rack. And I was like, oh, that's a buck. And that's a big buck. And to me, you know, it, it was one of those kind of picture perfect bucks, like not, not huge, but not small either. It was maybe maybe a 20 inch or, or 18 inch spread. He was wide. And it was a wide six, wide eight. I couldn't quite tell. But if I had to, I'm not good with, with scoring deer yet, but if I had to guess, he was minimum 120 to 130. And so he's 15 minutes to get way over there. To within 20 yards, 24 yards of me. So he's slowly walking in. My heart's pumping. Just pounding. I was like, oh my God, he's coming my way. Oh my God. Oh my God. And he's just continuing slowly. He'll take a few steps, sniff the ground, and look around. Like this, this he was on alert. And, with, and just on a side note, I've, I've heard so much about cover scent does it work does it not work this and that hunt the wind blah 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 well i try and do both just to up my odds any chance i get i had actually been tromping around in that area where he came in at just two hours before because i was kind of scouting that area i had just been tromping around in there but i use a dead down wind field spray before i walk just cover my scent when i walk in i'll spray my boots down real well spray my pants and then my upper body but I'd just been there and he didn't he didn't win me. So I was like, okay, cool. Thought about that afterwards. Just that's just a side note. So he's coming in and he's slowly coming in. <clears throat> and he he put his head down and I have a, a third hand bow hanger on my stand. So hand would be I was able to get my bow out and set it on my knee and just sit there and wait. And I wear a harness and I have my uh, call my grunt. He sticks his head down. He's kind of, <clears throat> kind of, not in field of view of me. So I was able to move my hand slowly, and I let out a low, short grunt just to see what his reaction would be. He didn't. He didn't even care. So then he comes closer, and now he's probably about thirty yards away, and he's there's a big oak that he's behind. So he really can't see me. So I let out a little, little longer, but I didn't want to alert him to where the sound was coming from up in the tree. So I let it out low. He still didn't pay no mind to it. Okay. So I start getting my bow ready to draw. I'm just sitting down. I wasn't standing up. I was sitting down. I'm getting my bow ready to draw. I'm hoping that he comes out from behind that tree headed to my left. In front of this other tree, he would be perfectly broadside. I'd be able to take a shot. As he started his fight away, I went to draw, and I couldn't draw. And I started to freak out. I was like, what in the world? I can't draw. What, what's going on here? And I tried to draw again and couldn't draw. What's going on? So then he passes behind that other tree. So now he's no longer broadside. And he starts passing behind the leaves of this tree that's 10 yards from me. 
now's my chance to draw. He can't see me, so I really get into it. I'm able to draw back. I have my bow sitting on my knee. I don't figure it. I'm just holding it back by this point. He spends a few seconds at my mock scrape, and then he starts. He leaves that spot, starts to go around that tree. Now he's headed away from me. I'm thinking, oh, no. Then while he was sniffing that mock scrape, I took the chance to stand up. So I stand up, and I'm just holding, and I'm watching him. Meanwhile, my heart is beating out of my chest insanely. And I know that it's just the adrenaline of it all. As he starts to head away, I'm thinking, oh, no, don't leave, don't leave. And I see him through this opening. It's about a 12, 14-inch opening in the leaves of this tree, and I see him. So I bring it up, and I put my pin on him to see if I could even possibly get a shot off through that opening and if he was even in the right position to do so. And I put my pin on him, I see it, and he's a hard quartering away. And I see him. And I start debating, do I take the shot? Is it an ethical shot? Will I be able to take them? I'm taking it. And I anchored. I was, I'm glad I, I'm not trying to promote this guy, but I'm glad I have a Bonar mo, Bomar nose button because I was able to put, really get in my anchor the way I was supposed to because I couldn't feel anything. That was the only thing I felt was a point into my nose. So I anchored. And at that point, just from muscle memory of shooting all year long, I was steady. I wasn't shaking for that moment. And I anchored, and he was moving a little bit, and I said, Mack, and he stopped, and I let it fly. And I watched this arrow, I watched my arrow go in behind his left side, last rib, going towards his shoulder. Now, I hit him way up the body. Um just a few inches low, I, I think, looking back on it, I should have been a few inches higher. But it went in, going towards his front shoulder. And he he didn't kick high. He more dropped down and took off. And I lost it. I was like, oh, my God. I just got my first deer. I drew back on drop shot my first deer. I'm freaking out. Called my wife first. She's happy. Called my buddy who's going to, you know, he's kind of my hunting partner now. And he's from the Pensacola as well. And he's been out hunting. He hasn't even seen one yet. And he's like, man, that's awesome. I'm jealous, but I'll, I'll help you come drag him out. So I, I left it for at least half an hour before I even climbed down out of the tree. I climbed down, pack up everything. I'm 500 yards from the truck. So I take my stuff out to my truck, waiting on my buddy to come. And by the time I get back in the track, now it's, I shot him at 555. Now it's about seven o'clock and it's, it's dark. It's getting dark, dark. So I go to where I shot him at and I don't see any blood. My heart kind of drops. It's like, oh no. All right. We got to track him. My buddy comes in. He, he comes to where I'm at. Start looking. Okay. We saw a few tracks, but still no blood. All right, well, I need to call a dog because it's so dark, so thick. I, I There's no way I'm going to be able to track this deer at night. So I called for a dog. The guy was, there's only one dog tracker in the county or even anywhere near close by. And he said uh, that he's tied up. I asked me about the shot. I told him, he says, you probably hit guts. You need to let him sit overnight. Um, I'm, I'm tied up for the night. I'm not going to be able to get out there. Said okay, so I left. Uh, my information got put out on a, a tracker site, and a woman texted me asking it, you know, if I found them. What? And she has a she has an inexperienced dog and a dog with a little bit of experience, but not not anywhere like super experienced. But she'd be more than happy to come help me track them, free of cost because of the inexperience of her dogs. I said, look, any help I can get, absolutely. I called out of work the next day to go track this deer because I didn't, I wanted to recover this deer. So I went out, uh, when it got light the next morning, uh, she came and met me about two hours later. I searched for this deer for five hours and could not find a drop of blood. Could not. And I, I know I hit him and I know my arrow stuck in him. Unfortunately, my arrow didn't pass through. Uh, there was eight inches of arrow sticking out of him 
and 20 air, 20 inches of arrow in them. And that I shoot a lighted knock, so that's how I even know because I watched it run off into the dark. But I could not find a single drop of blood. And the more it got, the, the more my heart sank. And I just devastated I couldn't find them. I've been out afterwards looking for buzzards, trying to see if I can even re recover a skull, and I've seen nothing, man. And I am devastated about it. A big part of me hopes that he died because I don't want him to suffer. But then there's a small part of me that hopes that he didn't, and I get another crack at him. But, yeah. yeah. You know, you say that, and every year you see stories come out where somebody will shoot a deer and they'll have a an arrow, like, thrown into the ribs or, you know, that was just a – Yeah. So, I mean, you may get another crack at him, and if you don't get him this year, you, next year he may have some gnarly, non-typical rack because of injury. Um, right. So I listen – And I've seen those pictures too, man, and it drives me nuts, and I'm like, man, it, it, it sucks that that arrow's been – or that deer's been running around with an arrow stuck in them because I, I train all year long to be able to – echo shot when the time comes and it, when I shot and I saw the arrow and I, I, I felt it was an ethical shot I felt that it, it had to have gotten at least one lung uh, I hate that it stuck in them I would have rather for a pass through of course that's all or what we all hope for but it, yeah I mean but I keep telling myself my buddy has told me and everybody else I've talked to they say look man that's hunting that's what it's about you know things happen and, and try not to let it eat you up too much, but get back out there and keep getting after it. Yeah, I mean, um, so I don't know if you listen to the Bear Grease podcast, but they did a they recently did an episode on uh, deer hunting, and one of the guys was talking about he shot a deer, they tracked it with a dog, couldn't find it. Anyway, make a long story short, ten years later, he finds the dead head that's been dead, you know, since. He shot it 10 years before, like wow. randomly. And he says, what was crazy is he says, they always talk like, you know, because tracking is one of the few things that you can't practice. There's no way you can go out and say, all right, I'm going to practice tracking because every deer bleeds differently. Um, every deer is a different situation. You know, um, every shot's a different situation. You hit, if you hit a deer up high, it doesn't pass through you might not get blood for a hundred yards, you know, as opposed to no. you hit one with a pass through where the pass through goes from ho to, uh, high to low. And now you have a good blood trail on. So that that's where one of the things is tracking is probably one of the hardest things to learn unless you're in a club or somewhere that people shoot deer and don't drop them all the time. And it, it happens, they run off, but you know, it's like, so, but he, the another thing is like recovering deer. We always do it. If once we run out of blood, we'll just start making circles, semi-circles, you know, back and forth, widening mm -hmm. it out, you know, 10 yards apart, depending on how thick it is, but to where you can cover all of the ground. And uh, that, but that's what that guy was saying. He says, we never did that. That deer died 75 yards from where I shot him. <laughs> He's like, and we just, Man. we never, you know, he circled back around. And lay down and died because it was that shot. So it happens. I mean, yeah, and I did. I was doing zigzags. I was circling. I was doing everything I possibly could. I, I saw first few tracks within maybe 30 yards. I couldn't find any more tracks. The dogs didn't hit on them. Well, in found two, two skeletons of deer out there that have probably been shot and, and could not recovered. But it's just we couldn't find them, and and I was thinking like, man, okay, I've got these wickedly sharp broadheads. It's gonna, you know, I'm gonna pass through, you know, like it's. I felt so confident in my arrow setup, uh, you know, like a mid. I was midway. I'm at 440 grains. You know, I'm thinking midway. It's not super light. It's not super heavy. It's right in the middle. I saw where I get that nice balance between maybe weight and speed, uh, super, super sharp cut on contact, broadhead, single bevel. I'm going to rock. I'm going to rock whatever I hit. Right. And when I didn't get past through, now I'm rethinking my entire setup <laughs> because I didn't even get a blood trail. I didn't even get a single drop of blood. I've got to rethink my entire setup. Like, okay, now 
I need something that'll give me a good blood trail, but I need something that's still going to be sharp enough to penetrate and pass through an animal. Uh, should I have another shot like that again? And it's just crazy because you never know what's going to happen out there. The angle of shot you're even going to be able to take. And so, you know, thinking back on it, like I probably should have let him walk. I should have let him walk to see him another day. Uh, but I was confident that I could shoot that gap through that hole because I've practiced so much and because I've done things like the total archery challenge where they make these wild shots between trees and everything like that. And I've had that confidence to shoot that gap, but I sh probably should not have taken that shot at that angle or whatever case. I should have let him walk to him again another day. Uh, there, there's so many what ifs, should have, could have, would have, should have, but it's all about learning and trying to do better the next time. Yeah, and that happens, you know, as a, like, my biggest thing I remember when I was growing up is we had a 60-pound rule for does on our property, you know, so uh -huh. judging what a yearling is to a doe was my big thing, and for a while, I wouldn't shoot does until I sat in the stand and watched enough does with yearlings that I'm confident that I could tell if it's a doe or a yearling by itself, you know, and uh -huh. And it's like, and to this day, now, now I'll probably start doing it, but um, but previously, nobody in my house ate deer meat. So I was like, why well, shoot a deer? I can go out there and watch them. I, yeah, if I saw a big one, I'd put, put it on the wall. But I was the guy that, it's so funny, the place we hunted at, I was the guy that every weekend I had off, I was hunting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every other weekend, you know, hunting hard, putting the time mm -hmm. in, putting the effort in. And the, like, you'd be like, all right, I'm not hunting a box stand because a box stand's on a food plot, but I want to be out in the woods a little bit. I'm going to hunt the scrape lot, not see a darn thing. And then turn around and somebody <laughs> shoots the buck I'm hunting on the food plot that I could have went to that morning. <laughs> right. Come on now. But, right. So that, I mean, it happens. And like you said, it's a, it's a, a lot of hunting's, trying to analyze data that you're collecting, you know, and just putting it to use at that point. So, but now that's about an yes. hour right now. So we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, we'll have to get you back on for another podcast. I mean, cause we could probably still keep talking. So, um, Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm all for it. You know, anytime you want to talk about archery, bow hunting, you know, just, New hunting, being a new hunter and getting out there, especially on public land and trying to put it out there. I'm all for it, man. Absolutely. Yeah. So make sure you tag us in all your outdoor photos at the B-Side Instagram or on the B-Side Facebook. And thank you for joining us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. If you have any feedback on any of this episode, you can email us at bsideoutdoors at gmail.com. Make sure you thank a veteran, and I hope to catch you on the B-side of the outdoors.